morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Hey, Stacey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, John? Oh, I'm I'm great. I, I am on the East Coast. I'm a little disoriented from the jet lag. Uh, um, we're in Princeton, New Jersey, where Gina Kelly and I are going to be delivering our master class in the human capital marketplace tomorrow. I'm excited about that. How about you? Are you home? I'm home. I'm home for a second week in a row. It's it's really weird once you've been on the road as as much as I was the first part of this year. Then I'm I'm sort of like sitting here going, boy, I I I, I can have time to do things like laundry and take care of my yard and plant flowers. And uh, it starts to get you're like, oh wow, it's it, it, it's being back home again. But yes, I am home and I am. Uh, enjoying the nice weather here in North Carolina um, and getting a chance to reconnect with some of my neighbors. Um, so, yeah, so in, and and heading into hopefully a, a couple of, of weeks of somewhat vacation coming up here. So I think the, the the rest of the HR tech community is definitely heading into vacation right now. Will, will you be taking some vacation in July as well? Um, I am. I am at the. Once we get done with the seminar this week, we're um, headed into New York City for the Fourth of July. So we're there gonna go. we're gonna spend we're gonna spend some time. We're gonna go over to see the Statue of Liberty again, and that sort of stuff. Very that nice. Sort of yeah. A real a real New York Fourth of July. We'll have to eat some hot dogs. Yes, hot dogs and uh, crowds of people and all the fun stuff that comes along with New York. Hot and humid and good food and just New York, right? <laughs> yep. 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 So it's a slow news week. Why don't Why don't you Why don't you talk a little bit about what you're learning um, as the data comes in for your research? Yeah, we had a, a really great showing this week. I can't remember if I, if I told everyone on the radio show last week how how big the numbers were, but <clears throat> this year we ended up with <clears throat> excuse me seven thousand people who sort of hit the survey. That's more than we have had since I've at least been managing the survey for the last four years. Um, that was pretty impressive to have that many individuals sort of touch the survey this year. We had somewhere in the range of over 2,500 individual responses um, in the sort of once people get in, a lot of people just open it and don't go in. A lot of people open it, put their name in. We had about 2,500 sort of partial responses where people put something into the survey that was valuable. And now Aaron is cleaning that down. Um, and that is probably going to be in the range of about 1,700 once we get done crunching. We are... Um, uh, individual companies, because the way we do the cleaning process is that we make sure that we have individual organizations. So you might have six people from the same organization, and we um, take the most complete answers or combine answers if they've answered different sections. Um, we also spend a great deal of time um, taking um, a look at the responses. We validate responses, double-check responses to make sure <clears throat> people know what they're really talking about. And sometimes people respond to surveys just to get the end results, and they really don't have all the details they need to, to be answering their responses. So we do that. And so we're, we're probably down to about 1,700 now by the time we've um, uh, done the cleaning. And the data is starting to come out, as you said, pretty interesting. We are we are starting to see some, some 
Uh, trends that we expected, obviously cloud adoption is up, as you would expect. Um, particularly, um, we're seeing cloud adoption increasing in the European market as well as, as it has been in the U.S. market. Um, we're, we're also starting to see that organizations are spending more time and a little bit more energy on security, not surprising. So I think we'll see some more data come out around that. Uh, we asked some questions about who owns the cybersecurity in HR this year, um, and that was sort of an interesting finding. There was no clear-cut answer on that. Um, that was split uh, across the board between sort of IT, HR, and some other roles in the organization. Um, we also saw... So hang, on, sure. hang on a second. Hang on a second. Yeah. You're, you're blasting through this stuff. Uh, um, so, so in the in the secure, who owns security? Some companies IT owns it. Some companies HR owns it. For the HR systems, yes, yeah, and and and, and then there's also vendors in that category and a couple other groups that people have like audit and risk and stuff like that. But yes, that's that's interesting. So so in some cases, do you have a sense of of how much of HR owns its own security on systems? I don't know. Well, that's part of what, you know, we were just asking who is responsible for the security on EHR systems, right, particularly cybersecurity. Um, and, and we weren't sure what we were going to get because it's a question we often get. And so when we get questions, we often put them on the survey response. Um, and, and what we found is that there doesn't seem to be a clear-cut answer. And I, and I think, you know, what, what that means when you own security, does that mean you just oversee it? Does that mean you actually have a staff that does the, the sort of security-specific um, analysis and data checking, um, does that mean you just partner with IT and tell them how to do it? We're not sure what that looks like, but we can tell you who is ultimately responsible, at least on the HR technology, from the question this year. So, so at least some HR departments are ultimately responsible for their own security in systems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially if it's cloud. That, I mean, that, we'll have to analyze the comparison, but my bet is that it's probably heavily of those who are on the cloud systems, yeah. Got it. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. That, well, it is very okay, interesting sorry, because David. when you, yeah, no, it's it's one of those things. I think where where you know cybersecurity and technology, you know, access and people processes are sometimes seen as a, a functional you know conversation, and sometimes they're seen as an enterprise conversation. Um, but with this being a bigger issue, you know, you know, with things like the Equifax um, and Sony, you know. Um, hacks happening, uh, these could have huge consequences for organizations if they're not keeping up to date on certain areas um, where people could have access to data. Um, the the page up um, example in Australia is, is a huge example of that, right? And so HR systems carry very, very um, sensitive data. And so if you're owning sort of the relationship and the vendor management of that cloud solution, that generally it seems seems to fall on your shoulders then. Interesting. So what else are you finding? Um, the other thing that we're finding, I think, is that well, we have to dive into this to understand a little bit better, but we did ask a question about how people were um, tracking, assessing, or um, uh, 
evaluating the adoption of their HR technology. Um, and what we found is at least right now that number is kind of, you know, as we clean, it's getting a little different and it makes a difference whether they're large, medium, and small. But very few, almost like 10, 15%, if only, of organizations actually track adoption levels of their HR technology in some way or fashion. Um, that really surprised me. I didn't expect it to be, you know, an overwhelming number, but I expected, you know, 40, maybe 30% of organizations to be sort of attracting, uh, uh, tracking some level of adoption, and that does not seem to be the case. Um, we don't have the exact numbers yet. We're still cleaning that area a little bit, but it's very going to be a very low percentage that are tracking adoption, and that sort of blew me away because I really thought people were paying some attention to how much these HR systems were being used, and that doesn't seem to be the case. We've talked a lot about adoption, John. Is is adoption something you're seeing the vendors spend more time on? You know, tracking it, usage information. Well, yeah, yeah. Vendors, are, vendors are in general interested in adoption because adoption is what keeps contracts going. If people use the software, you get to you get to sign the contract again next year. So, so vendors pay close attention. I I I wonder. I wonder what it means that people aren't tracking adoption because that's an interesting construct, right? Because if you yeah. if you have a payroll system, um, it better be adopted. People don't show up to work and don't get paid. Um, so, yeah. so, so adoption probably means different things based on the software type, right? Yeah. You can't have a time and attendance system that that is used by less than everybody. Um, you can't have a benefit system that's used by less than everybody. Um, so, so the, the adoption question applies to profile generation and talent management stuff, and perhaps recruiting tools, perhaps performance management. So, so mostly in the talent management areas is where you have an adoption question. Um, and um, I, I, you know, now that you ask, I don't know if vendors track that closely enough. But it is a surprise well, that that uh, HR departments are not interested in understanding whether or not they are getting value for their money. And, and your comment about the fact, you know, you know, they have to use time and attendance, they have to use benefits. Well, you know, this is it was an interesting conversation I had with a client that we're, we're working on an HR system strategy with right now. And they wanted to do a survey of their employees, and they were basically were, were you know, basically going to just ask them about the current systems. And I asked, you know, do you want to get some insight into what or people are doing maybe around the systems or not with systems, right? Because um, if you ask just about the systems, they won't think about all the things that they maybe go around the system to do. And I think, you know, in the case of adoption, yes, you know, if you're clocking in and clocking out, you know, you're an hourly workforce to, to you know, using your time in a tenant system seems like it might be mandatory. But there are a lot of people who will call an HR administrator or, or tell their manager, put something on a piece of paper and have someone else enter it, right? Um, there are a lot of people who don't put in their vacation time if they are exempt versus non-exempt, right? Um, and then the organization could get 
um, uh, deal with sort of issues where they don't have appropriately tracked vacation time um, and then might have to pay that out in certain states that require them to pay it out. So there are a lot of places where people think that adoption seems to be like a mandatory must. But a lot of times it's not, even in these compliance-driven tools, um, if it's not being used well, right? But definitely in talent management, yeah. Well, one of the things I can't wait. I can't wait for the data to get clearer. This is this. It's fun watching this this happen. It uh, is interesting. It's, it's really always interesting. Yeah, to see it start to morph and evolve, and and I and it's very hard for me. I'm almost have to sit on my hands uh, while Aaron is doing cleaning because if I go in there too much and 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 look and play around, then you know I, I it's not exactly what the full number is, and so you know I'll find something and I'll start asking her about it, and you know we go down rabbit holes looking at things, and we got to wait really until the data is clean. So um, it's a it's a process to just like any other analytics process to make sure that you get your clean data that you can validate. Um, and so we'll probably start doing analysis work. We've probably got about another week and a half left of cleaning. We'll start doing analysis work right after the July 4th holidays here in the States. Um, and we have um, an organization that's going to help us this year analyze our 4,000-plus responses in the um, uh, uh, open text questions. So we're hoping we'll get some more um, results from that this year. It's a lot of work. There's oh, no doubt. I was, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so you're going to do an NLP analysis of the open text stuff. We are, yeah. That's, generally, that's, we've done a lot of that categorization by hand. This year, we're going to we had an organization that volunteered to um, uh, do their NLP analysis of that, and uh, we're going to see what it comes out with. So, yeah. Fantastic. So, what's in the news? Well, like you said, it's a light news week this week. Um, we have a couple of things, though. Um, paychecks. For those organizations who sort of follow the payroll market, um, they just announced their fourth quarter um, fiscal 28 to results, and and they are up considerably from where people thought they would be. Um, they're doing really really well, so we have some some data on that. Um, we're also getting some updates from uh, Skillsoft's Percipio. Um, the fact that it surpassed 1,000 customers in its very first year. Percipio is their sort of uh, competitive. Uh, version of what is um, a comparison to the degreed application, which we talked about last year. Um, we also have a couple of organizations on the small side, though, who have raised some funding this week. Um, Paired, which is a recruiting slash sort of um, scheduling uh, application for uh, basically uh, the service industry, um, a piece of software um, that works both out of the United States as well as it looks like um, England, Ireland, and Canada, um, they raised $10 million in Series A funding. We also saw um, one of the first blockchain HR technologies, Zinc, um, raise uh, $2.2 million. I think that's uh, Frank's I think that's in, in French uh, through their crowd sale. Um, we also saw um, Involve. Soft, which is a software based on volunteering, team activities, and leadership training. They raised $2.5 million in funding. So just, you know, not a ton of funding this year, but a, but a little bit this week. I think people are starting to slow down for the holidays. Um, we also have some interesting um, side notes this week about a Microsoft launching Azure Internet of Things Edge out of preview. So if you're a person who's following the Internet of Things and how that data is tracked and how that data can be accessed and used and how that will impact your HR environment, it might be worth paying attention to that. Um, and then if we have a little bit of time, uh, we, we can definitely talk about how Watson, the IBM AI artificial intelligence 
got tricked this week um, into uh, instead of seeing cats, uh, cats that had filters put on them, um, seeing them as crazy quilts and cellophane. So as a as a kind of a lighter, you know, kind of like cat videos <laughs> commentary, we could talk about that this afternoon. It was actually quite interesting to see how they worked through this idea of artificial intelligence and how it did recognition of patterns and everything. So, so a few things well, that, are, that are going on this week. Let's actually start with the, with tricking the AI. Yeah. Can't, you, can't you imagine that that what people are going to want to do in general is trick the AI? Yeah. Um, this is this, this is a, this is an interesting area, right? If if my performance review is being um, coached by some sort of artificial intelligence, yeah. I'd be interested in figuring out how to make it think I'm better than I am. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Would you? And without a doubt. And and the thing I think that they were pointing out here with with this um, this effort, it, it was actually a university, um, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, at the conference on computer vision and pattern recognition, Salt Lake City, Utah. But it was a university group that had done this work. Um, and, and what they basically did is, is they said, look, at, unlike sort of human beings where there's sort of shades of how you see things, right, your, your perception doesn't just automatically flip from seeing a cat to seeing a cat with a filter on, right? So it looks very, very similar, but it's with the computer, you know, you go along, you go along, and automatically there's enough data points that all of a sudden it doesn't see a cat any longer. It sees a crazy quilt. And that's sort of the idea with the performance, you know, uh, process, right? The idea that, you know, you get all these points that say you're doing good performance. One additional point turns it into bad performance. It's sort of this idea of of, of black and white, no gray areas in the middle, right? Um, I think that's sort of what they're right. talking about a little bit here. Yeah. Well, that's that's you know, machines don't have um, the capacity to understand a lot of nuance and they have to be taught that increment by increment and they don't have the capacity to to have a conscience in their in their um, machinations so to speak mm-hmm. uh, so so you can imagine that all sorts of fun and games are going to happen as 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 we introduce more and more machine activity into our lives it's going to be interesting. It's nice to see that the researchers are doing it. Well, and and I think the the you know the other side of this is is really important because we we we've seen some of this already happen in other areas where where numbers have been sort of the final call. When when you look at this, you know, machines don't know what's going on in a person's life, so they don't know if they've you know, had an illness or if there's been a death in the family or if there's been any number of things that could affect performance, right? Um and, and to your point. They don't have a conscience per se on that. Now you could build in ways that you could add that kind of information, but I think that's part of what people are saying is that you have to figure out a way to create some middle ground for this. Um and you know, we we've seen this already with credit score reports. They talk about the fact that, you know, as the numbers in the credit score process have been used pretty dramatically in the finance market, you know, we basically relinquish sometimes the human perspective of how you use those numbers. Um, and when we get that to that point with some of this artificial intelligence, it could be very dangerous. I, I don't know about dangerous, but certainly open to gaming, open to, open to being played with. Yeah. Um, 
we're going to have to learn how to have arguments with machines, and that's that's pretty interesting. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, it, it yeah. is one of the challenges. Yeah, um, we so, we also saw. So page oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. Well, I was going to say with Paychex, it's, it's an interesting one where this is a, an organization that's that's very large, and they are starting to do a little bit with artificial intelligence, but not much. They're an organization that is focused on the fundamentals of payroll and paycheck technology, um, and yet they're growing pretty rapidly. Um, their revenue has increased um, in their fourth quarter nine percent. Um, but I think the thing that sort of struck you and I when we were looking at these numbers for them is is how big Paychex is. It's sometimes, uh, you know, we forget how many people get paid between sort of ADP and Paychex with those two applications because oftentimes they deal with just SMB organizations, right? Right. Well, so so Paychex is nearly a four billion dollar a year organization. I had I had no idea till I till I saw this. I. I just didn't get the scale of the company. It's monstrous. It's it's absolutely monstrous. Um, and and the payroll business, which is where much of the really interesting data in in our world lives, um, is sort of the bedrock foundation of HR technology. It's and, and it gets short shrift a lot, but there's there's going to be I think a reevaluation of companies like ADP and Paychex because they hold so much data and and you can derive so much insight from that data. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with me, that. The big thing to me though was was the was the size, the sheer size of, of the company. That's that's what <laughs> a, a wonderful thing. Well, and and I think that people forget. I mean, the thing about payroll applications is that you know they're a software vendor and they're generally a service vendor as well. It's very hard to sort of split those two things, particularly if you're doing small business payroll, because in most cases, small business payroll um, outsources a great deal of it. So one of the things that Paychex had done this year was completed their acquisition of their HR outsourcing organization, um, which is located actually in, or headquartered in Denmark. Um, up to this point, Paychex has been a very U.S.-centric organization for the most part, right? Um, and, you know, this sort of expands a little bit, I think, their world globally, but more importantly, it gave them scale on the services side that I think that they they needed. And so you'll see them probably doing a lot more on the services side as well as the the um, technology side um, going forward. The other thing that they mentioned in this um, report for fourth quarter is how well the tax um, cuts and jobs act here in the United States, how that has um, really had a huge impact on them financially and improving their finances for this year as well. So that has increased um, uh, their total annual uh, expectations for the year on a pretty significant amount. So those were some of the things they mentioned in this fourth quarter release. That's interesting. So let's talk about Percipio. What so do Percipio. you know about Percipio? Yeah, Percipio is a Skillsoft application. It, it's been around for a little while, but I think in, in, its, in its most recent sort of um, application format, um, it, it's really only been out in about a, for about a year. It is a Competitor, you would say, to what is Degreed or EduTech, which we talked about last week. 
And it's really an interesting um, area where we're starting to see that organizations are leveraging more than just content. They're leveraging how people access that content from a learning perspective. And so these are, are generally being called learning experience platforms, for, for back of a letter, lack of a better term. Um, you're hearing that term used more often um, in the market now. Um, and these learning experience platforms are definitely focused on personalizing content access uh, creating a platform that people can aggregate content in a way that makes sense for them versus um, just the company from a curriculum perspective. Um, it's very focused on um, giving you the ability to sort of create channels and channels that have some artificial intelligence embedded in them that kind of points you in, in um, learning and development that might be valuable for you or that you might be interested in. Uh, Percipient goes a little bit further than, than what Degree does in the fact that it does add some compliance-based um, work inside of it, a little bit more of an LMS uh, than just the um, uh, sort of experience platform part of it. Um, they've also invested quite a bit in sort of their tools for aggregating different sets of content in a way that um, companies can basically put forward curriculum. So again, a little bit more of a learning management system element inside Percipio. But they've reached their 1,000 company uh, number that they were trying to reach in the first year of launching this newer platform. And that, I think, was their big announcement this week. And I think it, it was an announcement made with the idea of um, competing with what's going on with the degreed organization that just acquired Pathlor. So. so this sounds somewhat bogus to me. Uh, uh, what you're describing at, at uh, Skillsoft is a tool that does the things that Cornerstone is doing in their learning system, mm -hmm. content aggregation, but it, but it doesn't have the content licensing capabilities that Cornerstone has, and it doesn't have the... Um, Credentialing capability. Degreed is called Degreed because it helps people get credentialed for the learning that they do that happens outside of formal learning outside. environments. And so, so this is like when, when I when I look at Percipio, Percipio is really just um, a recommendation engine and a slightly improved interface for their existing product. You think that's fair? I, you know, I think it does. It has the ability to to um, access content beyond just the Skillsoft world inside of it. But yeah, I would say that it is not. It doesn't go as far as Degreed, and it and it probably doesn't have as good of a content um, licensing model, obviously, as what we're seeing in Cornerstone. So yes, from that perspective, it is. But Skillsoft is still at this point one of the largest content libraries in the world. So, um, you know, from a, a numbers perspective, licensing um, and reviewing all of their content is a pretty big deal still. So. Well, so so what did, what did you do while I was gone, Stacey? Oh, are you back on, John? Can you hear me now? I, I am. I can hear you now. Okay. We had a little bit of a, a silent pause, so I, I wasn't sure if you were talking or I was talking, but I didn't hear anything for a little while. <laughs> Oh, you know, okay. it was me. It was it was it was normal um, technology failure. You know, when it, when I I've, I've been doing a lot of demos, and what I tell everybody in the demo process is that it's not really real technology until it breaks. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is exactly. which is a nice segue segue into the Slack failure yesterday. Did you hear about that? 
I did not. I, I was not. Yeah. Did Slack fail? Slack went down. Slack went down around the world for several hours yesterday. Um, wow. And and the 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 comedians made fun of the fact that people had to actually make eye contact with each other as a result. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing is that is that we have these systems that are emerging that people depend on to do work that are not as reliable as they might be. And, and and so we're headed into a time. I don't, I don't know. I re, I remember fondly the days when you picked up a phone. It just worked, and the, and the communications were sound, and you didn't just drop off the edge of the universe like I just did. Yeah, uh, exactly. But, but we have a sketchier world right now, um, and and communications technology does not work seamlessly, and the the slack hit on productivity must have disturbed a bunch of people. Well, it's an it's an intriguing question, right? How important are these? You know, we we sort of, like you said, take for granted that they're here, and and we and we push their adoption on a pretty heavily basis, as we you know should have we're going to invest money in them. But the question is, is that when they go down, and if the internet is a big part of it, and the and the networking is a big part of it, right? When they go down, how big? How much does that impact productivity? So how did, how much does that impact? bottom line numbers. That's as much a risk as anything else, right? Right. Right. It's a, it's a big deal. So we'll talk about this the next time. We have, we have yeah. um, um, rolled into the rest of our day today, and um, it's, it's been an interesting show full of technical glitches and insight into the process. The process. So That's right. Well, it's 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 heading into vacation time, so I, I you know it, it, it's part of part of the the course you get when you're when you're sort of rolling down with the data and information. Um, it, we might want to just remind everybody that next week we will be taking a break, so um, we will not have the HR Tech Weekly show next week um, because of the Fourth of July holidays here in the states. Um, but we will be back on the following week as usual, right? Right. So thanks everybody for listening in, and we will talk to you the next time. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly. We're one step closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye now. Bye, everyone.